Welcome to the Fleet Safety Geeks podcast, where we discuss the latest industry trends, best practices, and strategies for keeping your fleet and its drivers safe on the road. Whether you're a fleet manager, safety professional, or a driver yourself, our goal is to provide valuable insights and actionable tips to help you prevent accidents, protect lives, and promote a culture of safety within your organization. From vehicle maintenance and driver training to regulations and technology, we cover it all. Tune in every week as we explore the challenges and opportunities of fleet safety in today's fast-paced, ever-changing world. All right, we're back on another episode of Fleet Safety Geeks. We are on with a a special guest, uh, Pam O'Donnell with the Catch You Later Foundation. Pam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I'm I'm grateful. Yeah, so Pam, you have... um, a foundation where you kind of help kids in high school um, get, um, uh, you know, scholarships or whatever to get into college, um, which is great. And then you also go to high schools and kind of talk about um, impaired driving. Can you tell your story a little bit about um, how the foundation started? Sure. Um, February 22nd of 2016, uh, routine, beautiful morning like today, uh, my husband and my two little girls were leaving to go to work. He was going to work. He was a school teacher and he would drive my two daughters to their schools and I would go off to work. He went one way, I went another. And he took a right. I took a left at 7.45 a.m. And that was the last time I saw my family of four as a whole. And at 12.30 in the afternoon, my husband went back to our town to pick up my little one, Bridget, who was five, and brought her back to school because she only had half a day pre-K. So in his school, they had a daycare for the teachers and their kids. And she called me up at 12.30 and said, Mommy, 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 I'm so excited. I learned the letter P. I said, that's great, Bridget. And, you know, at that age, their homework assignment was to draw something or print something, color something that represented what letter they learned. And she said, Mama, can you please print out a picture of yourself? And I said, sure, why? And she said, well, P represents Pam, my mom. And I said, sure, I'll do that. And she said, okay, I love you. Bye-bye. Click. And those were the last words I ever heard from my daughter. The last words I heard from my husband was at 7.45 a.m. when we said, I love you. And then at 3.19, our world's changed forever. The crash happened at 3.19. A 36-year-old adult drove through Upper Manhattan, all through New York City, through the Holland Tunnel, up the New Jersey Turnpike ramp, where my husband happened to be coming home from school with my five-year-old safely strapped in her car seat, going through the toll plaza. But he was a mathematician. He was a math teacher. So we didn't think the easy pass discounts were worth the problem because they, they really weren't. So he was taking the toll, doing zero miles an hour. And this impaired driver came flying through the toll at 55 miles per hour propelling them into oncoming traffic. And ironically, the van that they hit, which is not what killed them, because they rolled into that van, 
was the medical van that saved my life when I had brain cancer in 2014. Wow. So the van that took saved my life ultimately had a hand in taking the lives that I fought for while I battled cancer in 2014. But they rolled into this van because my husband was internally decapitated. So he was dead on arrival. And my daughter was in the back seat directly behind him. And at four o'clock, so 41 minutes later, is when I got the phone call from the hospital asking if I was Tim O'Donnell's wife. I said, yes. They said, stay right where you are. We're sending detectives for you. And I said, why? What happened? She wouldn't tell me. Right. And I said, what's going on? Like, it, it's never a good thing when detectives are coming to pick you up. I just didn't know what happened. And she should have put me on hold or mute or said, I'll call you back. Because I realized she asked about my husband. And I said, can I speak to my daughter, Bridget? And she said to me, I'm sorry, what? I said, my five-year-old daughter is with my husband. I don't know who you are. You're calling me allegedly from a hospital. I would like to talk to my daughter. And like I said, she should have put me on mute or hold or something. And instead she didn't. And I heard her radio back to a scene. And all I heard was, you better check that car again. There's a baby in the car. For 41 minutes, they had no idea that my daughter was in the car. Because there literally was no backseat. Pam, I am near tears listening to your story because I got to tell you what, and people know my background. I was a cop. I reconstruct crashes and I've got the, I'm the guy that got called out to those scenes. And I got to tell you, Pam, I am so, so sorry for your losses. I mean, it's, and this is, Bob, you're going to see angry Phil again. This is so every. Impaired driving collision that occurs should not have occurred. Somebody right. made the decision to drive while impaired. Yeah. And I am tired. <laughs> and, and just in this country, we don't do enough. Exactly. There was an impaired driver who killed a college student recently, was going close to 100 miles per hour when he killed him. And he got three to 10 years. Now, the point I make with this one always is, what's the difference between driving down the road impaired and killing somebody or shooting into a crowd with a gun? Right. It, both are reckless and and both take lives. There's no, the, a, a life lost is a life lost and I don't care how it occurred. The person who shoots into the crowd is going to go to prison for a long time. Right. This jackass gets three to 10 years I don't know what happened to the person who hit your family, Pam. I hope, I hope they oh, never breathe free air. We, we, it was a long, long battle. Um, I'm not a lawyer, but I, I know a little bit now, but I have a better understanding for the law. It was three and a half years 
You know, people have a misconception that it's law and order, Chicago PD, and things are done like that. Three and a half years, yep. 104 hearings, a hearing, which is quite different than a trial. Trial, all right. When the law, the prosecutor and defendant, the defense attorney are fighting with each other on evidence, jurors, whatever it may be, 104 times I sat less than two feet away from the man that killed half of my family. Now, I mentioned that my husband was internally decapitated. Uh, he was ID'd by the firemen, EMS, all the first responders, because they were his former students. Oh. They knew him. So in one, and it's crazy to say this, but I am so thankful that they were there. And yes, my husband died. He didn't die alone. He died with his students that loved him, looked up to them. Two of these particular firemen were not allowed to go back to work for over six months because people don't understand, you know, it affects the first responders as well. Absolutely. Phil, you said you were in law enforcement and you've seen it all. And sadly, some become desensitized to it, but these were still in their early 20s. And they, my husband would have been so proud of them. And then when they realized that my daughter, and they knew my daughter, because she would run around that school like she owned it. You know, teachers would just let her in the classroom and let her have fun. And I'm so grateful. And one of the firefighters, his family didn't want me to talk to him for like three years until after the trial. And all I wanted to do was give him a hug. And he felt, he was afraid to talk to me. He felt that he didn't do enough. But listen, you can't, you can't repair a snap neck. That's right. And my daughter suffered the same. And not only was she internally decapitated, when they finally got her out, my daughter was cut in half. The seatbelt went right through her. Yeah. The force of the crash <clears throat> literally crushed her into the front seat. So they didn't see her. They didn't know there was a car seat. And when they finally got her out, the seatbelt had already gone through her and they were both dead on impact. They, and they were, they were. It's, it's exactly yeah. right. So there are, I'm, and people have heard me speak of this also, there's always three crashes in a crash, you know, vehicle hitting something or something hitting a vehicle, the people inside the vehicle hitting something. And then the yeah. third crash, which when you say internal decapitation, I know exactly what you're talking about is there, you know, your, your, your internal organ striking your skeletal frame or your skeletal frame, just yeah. you know, ripping apart your own body. And that's what happened. So yeah, they were, they were dead on impact, Pam. And yeah, uh, that that's, again, that's uh, the only consolation I have from the medical examiner's right. office is that they didn't, it was, there was no, it suffering. was quick. It's just, they, su right. they didn't suffer. In um, split second. In a split and I second. learned all that through the trial. Yeah. Um, well, I, uh, what can I say? And, and right well, now, here's, here's the other aspect to this talking about, which, which never came out publicly. And I'm surprised it didn't come out publicly. 
When he was going up the ramp to the Jersey Turnpike, there were three police officers that were doing construction duty, you know, off, off duty, extra money. Right. One officer, because there was a construction crew screaming, screaming at her, stop this car, stop this car. He's going to kill someone. She had him for 23 seconds. She had him. And in her deposition was, I was getting off from work. I just simply did not want to do the paperwork. And she let him go. So, and I don't want anybody to think, listen, I love all of our first responders. There's good and bad in every bunch, every workplace. I may not particularly like this particular officer, but you know, when I go out and do schools, one of the, the very first question and the most question that I get asked by students is, well, if police can do it. Why can't I? If police are seen on their phones, why can't I? Well, you want to wind me up? If I see, <laughs> I see a cop and I've, I you, saw you a cop this. from my old department talking on the phone, I called the chief. I said, this is not, this is unacceptable. And if you're talking on the phone, hands-free, handset, doesn't matter. You're as likely to crash as a person who's 0.08 blood alcohol, which is a same level of intoxication everywhere, and 0.05 in Canada and Utah, okay, in the European countries, some of them have 0.03. So if you're talking yeah. on the phone, and just because you're a cop, you can get away with it? Right. I'll call bullshit on that, okay? Exactly. You know, so, Pam... um, Again, I, 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 you know, my, my concern, and I'm, I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing and you're, you can never reverse this horrific thing that occurred to you, but maybe you can help people. And I, I think that's your mission is to help right. somebody else from having to go through this through education and awareness. But right now we are facing, I believe some of the worst impairment on our roads since yep. the 80s. And the reason being is a couple of reasons. One, during the shutdown, I believe everybody knows there was a health, you know, mental health crisis that occurred as a result of the shutdown and people started self-medicating with, yep. with alcohol, prescribed medications, over-the-counter medications, and illicit medications. Yep. And then let's get into the legalization. So the legalization <sighs> and, and, and normalization of marijuana is happening all across the country and every state's going to have recreational legalized because they don't want to miss out on that tax revenue. Yep, exactly. You know? And at what cost? Okay. And people think, oh, well, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, doing marijuana, that it's you're really not impaired there. Well, I'll tell you what, we better start educating people that you are just as impaired, if not more. And it's not even the smoking and the vaping, it's the edibles. So yep. people, you know, eat the, eat the baked goods or the gummies or whatever, and, and they don't get the high. So then they eat more. Now, now when it hits, it's, they're really high and they're getting behind the wheel. Yes. And they think it's okay. And so it has to be addressed. Law enforcement has to be educated. Our, you know, everybody has to be educated. At the, at, at, uh, my prediction is that cannabis will come equal with and maybe even surpass alcohol for impairment on our roads. I don't care. I don't give a crap what the impairment is. I don't care. Impairment, impairment, impairment. Whether it's you got a prescribed medication from the doctor and now you're driving down the road and you're under the influence of that, arrest them. You know? Exactly. 
you know, every and any anything that causes impairment should not be allowed behind the wheel. And everybody, everybody has to be held accountable. And exactly. I, I mean, I'm on my soapbox here, Pam, because your story has just stirred in me a lot of memories. <laughs> every time I got called out for a fatal after 11 o'clock, every time for years, it was an impaired driver did it. Yep. After 11 p.m. Every time. Yep. Right. But impairment is out there all times of day and night. And it's even more during the daylight hours now with cannabis. Yeah. So what are we going to do as a nation? So, so these politicians are legalizing it so they get the tax revenue in so they can do their pork belly crap. And Bob, it's angry Phil. Uh, and But what are they doing as far as take some of that revenue and start educating people? Right. And what you're doing is so, so important. And thank you for coming on here with us and, and, and telling your story because it's important. P people need to understand there are severe consequences right. for bad decisions made behind the wheel. Right. And impairment in my book is right up there. Right. It is. It is. And one, one of the things that came out of my car crash, um, our situation is because of that incident with the police officer. I was asked to go into our uh, local police academy. Good. Because the understanding is, and you being, you know, in law enforcement, you might agree, or, or I don't know how it is in your area. I was told that when you have a new recruit, they may pair them up with somebody that might be retiring and be desensitized. So, the older cop may say to the new recruit, oh, you know, someone's texting and driving, just turn a blind eye to it. It's really not worth it. Nope. Um, somebody was, it's, it's, so I go in and I ended up being, I went in as a guest speaker. Any police academy can bring in anybody as a, as a guest speaker. They thought that my message was so important. I became the first civilian police instructor, certified trained police instructor in the state of New Jersey. Good job. So I could go to any police academy as an instructor and I could bring Phil on as a guest speaker. I could bring Bob in as I used to be the guest speaker, but now I'm the instructor. Anytime I can help you, Pam, seriously, and haven't been a cop. And, and let me, let me give you an example. So I was working a Saturday night just a Saturday night, not a holiday. I pull out from the shift. I'm working a midnighter. I pull out from the station. I spot a guy who I think is an impaired driver. I stop him. He was. I arrest him. Take him in. Process him. Clear that one. I pull out. Within 15 minutes, I got my second one for the night. Okay? Jeez. Stopped him. Arrested him. Processed him. Came back out. Now it's getting around 5.30, 5 or so in the morning. I spot a third one. I stop him. I arrest him. Right now, I'm in the station. I'm processing this guy. The sergeant walks in. He goes, "What are you doing?" I said, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Do you know how much paperwork you created for yourself?" And I said, "What would you have me do?" Right. Just oh, oh well, I already got two for the, or I got one for the night. I, I, my job's done. No, no. You, here's the thing. You, you, you take an oath, right? And 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 you are going to uphold the laws. Every cop. There were guys I worked with who 
in years wouldn't have a drunk driving arrest. I don't know how that's possible. Right. Right. So if every cop would go out there and do their job and look for the signs and the symptoms of impairment, guess what? Let's say I used to get about 40 or so, 40, 50, you know, impaired drivers a year. I, the way I used to look at Pam is if maybe just one of those each year would have done something horrible to themselves or somebody else. Right. It was worth all the effort. Absolutely. So somebody like you don't have to, Absolutely. Don't have to deal with what you're dealing with. And Pam, again, my heart goes out to you because. I, I appreciate that. But if we listen, we if what happened, happened. And if we all work together and keep educating people, doing podcasts, right. spreading awareness, hopefully there will be a decrease. I don't see that happening. Um, unfortunately, if, if you notice, like we have mass shootings, we have the opioid epidemic and they get, you know, Fox News, CNN, yep. Dateline 2020. Yep. They'll all do a town hall. On those subjects. Yep. Have you ever seen a town hall on a major news network about this? It's an epidemic. It is an epidemic. And we're, we're back. And like I said, okay, so Mothers Against Drunk Drivers came out in the, in the early 80s and it, it, it helped. It helped. Okay. Back but then. I, think, I think that we are now going back to the levels pre-med. And I think it's an impairment. Yeah. Is, and, and you know what? Here's the other thing too. When I would arrest somebody for driving while impaired for marijuana, it usually wasn't just marijuana. Right. It was multiples, right? Alcohol, Absolutely. coke, meth, whatever, yeah. you know, and, and include it with that. I would bring somebody in and they blow like an O2 on the breathalyzer, right? So now I know I got other things and multiple testing is allowed pretty much every state. So I'd cuff them back up, take them down to the hospital and get blood. And I'd find that it was marijuana, alcohol, meth, coke. I mean, a number of things. Most people who are partying are doing a lot. And people say, oh, well, yeah. I'm just taking the gummies because I have arthritis. Don't get behind the wheel. Right. Be responsible. You know? Right. I mean, yeah. well, I don't bringing care, up the fact that, that. I don't care what you're doing. Right. I don't care what, you know, it's, well, the doctor prescribed it. I don't give a crap. It doesn't I mean, matter. It, it doesn't matter. If you're impaired, don't get behind the wheel. And make that decision before you're impaired, because guess what? Once you're impaired, not only is your ability to drive safely impaired, but so is your judgment. You think yep. you're okay. I had a guy who was so drunk, he couldn't walk. And he said, give me my keys. You can follow me home. He blew a 2-9. He blew a 2-9. And he thought he could drive safely. Right. Only guy at the preliminary hearing where he said, it was a good thing you got me. Yeah. Because he had no idea where he was from. I worked just outside of Philadelphia. He lived in Philadelphia. He didn't know where he was. Wow. Just incredible. People don't understand the devastation caused. No. And it's happening every day all over the place. And it's taking out families. It is. You know? It is. It's, so it's, sorry, incredibly, am... it's incredibly sad that um, this happens every day. We don't get the press that it does. Right. Uh, talking about the legalization of marijuana, right. when New Jersey legalized marijuana, we had a friend that was an assemblyman, and I saw it went down the list on who voted yes, and I called him, and I said, "Why did you vote yes? You cried over my daughter's body," Money. and he said, "We wanted to beat the next our neighbor neighboring state." Right. And then not only that, New Jersey. So the way it was first written was if a police officer 
saw, let's say, my 14-year-old daughter now, she was six when it happened, saw my daughter smoking weed. He would be a felon had he come and brought her home and said, knock on the door, Miss O'Donnell, I know your daughter. She's a great kid. She was, you know, smoking some marijuana. Maybe you want to have a talk with her. That became, the cop that did that was a felon. They made the cops the felon. So if, it, if a cop came to my house to tell me that my kid was on a street corner drinking beer, smoking weed. But what about the driver? It, it was all, and then, then they legalized Backward. it. And then, and only then did they take that part out because mm -hmm. our state troopers got involved. Every police organization got involved. Press releases went out. They were pissed that they made the cop, the felon. When in reality, DUI and DWI in New Jersey is still just a traffic violation. It's not a felony. How but you make a cop a felon by letting me know my minor child is hanging out in the court, you know, in the park. Wow. Smoking weed and having a beer. When the good guys become the bad guys and the bad guys become the good guys, we got a problem. And I see that happening way too yeah. often. And uh, again, I, you know, I understand, you know, they're, they're trying to get their tax revenue, but at what cost? So now let's take some of that. And tax where is revenue. that tax money going? Right. That's what I want to port. Because I know in New Jersey, projects. I know in New Jersey, each, we have 21 counties, $75,000 to each county. So that's like $2.1 million is going for medical examiners to sit on Zoom calls and go over this opioid death, this overdose. Okay, that person is dead. I am sorry that they died. What are we doing about the people that are alive? Why do you keep saying, well, this person was a drug addict for 25 years. What could we have done? So you, that money, is going to talk about people that are dead. What are we doing about the people that are alive? How do we stop them from getting behind the wheel? Yep. How do we help families like mine? Right. That are left with nothing. And my daughter was 11 in two, uh, when she was 11, I, we came home from a great mother daughter day. I thought it was, I simply walked down the street to go get a coffee. I came home and my daughter tried to commit suicide. So where does it end? It's never going to end because it's not that it's not talked about enough. Um, Pete, I don't even know. I'm going to kill his last name. Buttigieg. Buttigieg, yeah. He's starting to talk about it a lot more than any other administration has. But yeah, um, but then we do have, you know, Joe Biden that went out and made a statement that said, I don't think DWI is a felony. Why isn't it? I'm, I, don't, I don't think it should be a felony if you hurt or kill somebody and that's only right. when it becomes a felony. Right. Why does it take somebody to become paralyzed? Right. or dead 
It's first time caught. On average, a, which you would probably know this, a drunk driver will drive 85 times before they get, get caught, caught their first right. time. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. 85 so, times until they're caught. I know. Yeah. Bill has said this before. We need harsher, harsher penalties earlier. Um, and other countries are doing it and, and we're not doing it here. Right. And we should. Pam, real quick. Um, we're kind of going over time, uh, which is great. The great conversation. But go back to it took three and a half years to get through the uh, court process. What was yeah. the uh, final um, time that this person served? Okay, well, there is no final time. We ended up doing 104 hearings, a five-day trial. He was convicted on two counts of vehicular homicide, reckless driving, two counts of aggravated manslaughter, and drug possession. Seven years later, we just hit the seven-year mark of the car crash. Uh, we are going back to court because the conviction was overturned. Oh, my Wait, God, Pam. I am so sorry. Yeah, our next court, we just had a court date April 10th. We are going back for June 12th. We will get a trial date. We are back to square one because the conviction was overturned. We need court reform. And it wasn't anything that the state, it wasn't the investigation. It was overturned on, uh, he appealed, at, as you would know, you're convicted. You can get an automatic appeal. Right. So some take it. Some actually take responsibility and don't appeal. This scumbag. Uh, he appealed, and he appealed on the sentencing he thought was too harsh. He was sentenced to 37 years when he faced 65 max. To me, 37 years is still nothing. Not enough. Right. But it is better than the five-year plea outs that right. we keep seeing all over right. the place. So we're lucky in that aspect. But the appellate court threw that out. Then he appealed on the statement of the troopers. He said that the state troopers told him he didn't need a lawyer. It's all on That's tape. That's a lie. The state troopers, he asked them, do you think I need a lawyer? The state troopers did exactly what they were supposed to do. If you think you need a lawyer, get a lawyer. A lawyer if you don't right. think you need a lawyer, don't get a lawyer. That's exactly right. So the right. appellate court threw that out. What, he, what got overturned was the instruction from the judge to the jury. She only instructed them on the vehicular homicide reckless driving. And the appellate court felt she should have given them another alternative. So it wasn't all or nothing. But that's what he was charged with and that's right. what he was convicted with. Again, garbage. Oh my goodness. And oh my here, goodness. so just... Is this, April is 10th, this, I was sitting two feet to get away from the man that killed my family. So is he out while this is all going through? A no, pool? they're keeping him in they prison. Could. I hope he never breathes another minute of free air. He, he's, he's never coming out of that jail. I told my prosecutor in no uncertain terms, are we offering any plea deal whatsoever? No, not. Yeah. That's right. So we've not been approached by the defense, the new defense attorney with a, a plea deal, and we're not offering one. Listen, I understand that attorneys have a job and they have to represent these dirtbags. But um, here's the thing. I don't know how you sleep at night. Good to, to make some kind of a bogus appeal like that to make you have to go through this again, Pam. I'm yep. so sorry. 
I'm so He's, sorry. I mean, haven't. he literally. And, that's, and, and, and there's, there's, there's the classic example of how this nation, the United States, doesn't take this seriously enough. Other countries, you wouldn't see this. You wouldn't see this happening. Okay. But we do. And yep. it's, it's too tilted, in my opinion. It's too tilted. All right. We need to, we need court reform. We need to get law enforcement on board with this. We yeah. need to get our district attorneys on board with this. And we need to get our politicians on board with this. Yep. Yeah. That's that's all we can do at this right. point because nothing else is I'm, working. I am just so sorry, Pam, that you're having to go through this. How horrible. I I appreciate that. I just, you know, I, I'm never looking for sympathy or I, what I, I want I'm is for people heart. to just listen Hopefully I make some changes uh, and, you know, I've spoken to people that are 50, 60 years old. It's like, well, I, you know, now mind you, the driver that killed my family, he was impaired, but I encompass everything, texting and driving, being distracted and driving. Right. And I've talked to older people that are like, well, you know, I've, I've, had, I've talked on my phone and never had a problem. So if we get them while they're younger, get them mm -hmm. while they're in high school. And even seventh, eighth graders to when they're driving, I tell these kids, when you're driving and your parent is on the phone, tell them, mom or dad, I don't feel safe. Right. If you're out to dinner, somebody had a pitcher of sangria, dad had six or seven beers while eating pizza. How are we getting home? Because I don't feel safe. Speak up. Right. There's and no that's all we can do is speak up. Uber and, and make the arrangement prior, like I said, because once you're impaired, you think you're okay. You're not. Right. I never had an impaired driver that I arrest ever said, oh, it's a good thing you got me now because I'm right. too drunk to be driving. You know, they say, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know? Right. And that, you know, that, that's another thing. And I'm so glad this is one of the first podcasts I've ever been on that nobody used the word accident. It's, not, it's a crash. And I'm so grateful. No, it's a crash. Because accident should right. be taken out of our vocabulary. Exactly, it should. It is not an accident. Oh, you are one of us, Pam. When <laughs> you exactly choose right. to text and drive, when you choose to do drugs and drive, when you choose to drink and drive, they are choices you made sober, but somehow forgot. What about the choice to get home? How are you going to get home? Make that plan before you go out. Exactly. It's as simple as that. Because not, none of this is an accident. Exactly. It was a choice. He made the choice. And unfortunately, he took half of my family. Yeah. So, Pam, um, there's a few things I want to uh, kind of end with here. Um, the Catch You Later Foundation. How did the name come about? Oh, to catch you later, my husband was a softball coach. And uh, two weeks after the car crash and the funeral, his students came up. They were doing a fundraiser for us because I was still in post-cancer treatment. And the day he died, I lost all of my medical insurance because he was a teacher. He had great insurance. Oh. The day he died, I lost all of my insurance. So we walk into this. Um, establishment, and all I saw were all his students, current, former, past, uh, wearing black t-shirts that said, 
catch you later, coach. And it was a softball with angel wings. And it just, it just hit me. Because he would never say goodbye. He was a, you know, athletic coach. It was catch you later. See you later. And I just thought that's it. I'll catch you later, Tim and Bridge. That's right. I'll, I'll catch you later. So we yeah. came up with the Catch You Later Foundation Perfect. through his students. And one of his students actually did our logo with the softball, the bats. We added a tiara for my little girl. And um, she, because she would have played, and, but she also probably would have been wearing a dress while doing it. What she was that type of kid. What an incredible legacy from your, for your Yeah, husband. and, and yeah. honestly, his students are amazing. I get through this because of them. We just went to a couple weddings for his students, and we walked into a wedding, and, you know, it, we, we're not family, but they had, like, a table of, like, their missing loved ones, like their mother or father that couldn't be at the wedding, and they also included Tim and Bridge in that memorial table. And it just, my husband's students are, are one good bunch of kids and they all have families of themselves and he should be here. He should be their coach. He should be their little ones coaching little league and stuff. Yeah. And, and they're not, but I'm so grateful that they're in our lives and help me keep his legacy they talk to my daughter, but they, my daughter does not believe me in, in math because I wasn't the math teacher. Dad was. So his students actually, you know, she has a math problem or a problem in school. She'll call his former students. Oh. Oh. And it's, it's because of them that they, they lift me up and they keep me going. Good. And I'm so grateful. No, that, that, that's good. Um, one, one other thing is, um, I saw on social media that, um, the foundation bank account somehow had a, um, a, a scam or something. Yep. And you're trying to um, do a GoFundMe to kind of uh, get some of that money right. back we, so that you can give scholarships. I was having a technical issue with my computer and did not realize the number that I called was a scam. Oh, it was yeah. a, they used a VPN number, uh, which there's a police report on. And the funds, not all the funds were taken. But they were, and um, you know, we'll, worse things in life happen, as I know, as we all know, we'll get through it. People are donating more money, and uh, we're still giving out our scholarships. Yeah, we're still, we're still I'll going along. The, the GoFundMe in this uh, YouTube uh, description. Thank you, uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, and hopefully we can get uh, some people to um, uh, donate to it. We do have quite a few listeners in the fleet industry. Um, but our, our podcast goes beyond just the fleet drivers. We, we try and reach everybody out there. So hopefully somebody, you know, will hear that. Um, I'll make clips of this and I'll put it on social media. In fact, if I could have the copy of the logo, you know, we'll use that in some of the, oh, sure. yeah, that would be great. So, um, so listen, you know, we, we try and keep these to 20 minutes. It's 40 <laughs> minutes in, we could just keep talking about this all day. Pam, your yeah. story is so, um, uh, terrible to hear, but so powerful. And, and I really love that what you're doing to, um, to, to try and make things better. I love that you're in the schools. I love that you're talking to kids and, and trying to give something back to them. So that's great for you. Thank you so much Thank for you. doing it. 
And if you, you know, I, this message can go on, you know, you're also talking to police, but you, you should come to the fleet industry events and, and talk to fleet drivers. You know, I we would can love get you to. in at NAFA or AFLA. We have a lot of drivers on the road. I would love them. to. You know, get DUIs, and and we would really love to have that stop. So, um, yeah, thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you for having me. This was great. Thank you for joining us, Pam. I appreciate. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Um, Well, if unless you want any kind of closing words, Phil or Pam, um, we can let this uh, uh, let let this one end. I'll let angry Phil handle that. (laughs) Just just thank you. The the, the message you're uh, bringing out here and the education that you're providing is so important, Pam. And just thank you for joining us here and sharing your story and and, and educating people. So thank Thank you you. for what you're doing. And and just so you, and if nobody knows who's listening to this episode, um, angry Phil, angry Phil comes out when something he hears something like this, that's, that's just so wrong. Um, Phil, just uh, uh, thinks that so much of this can be avoided. Um, and he gets angry when there's fatalities on our roads that keep increasing year over year. Um, he gets angry and and we call it angry, Phil. It's kind of a joke, but at the same time, it's very serious. And um, uh, he gets very passionate about this. So um, I, I love when angry Phil comes out because people, people should listen to him more often. This right. is great. Well, Thank you. Yeah. Well, with that, uh, thank you so much and um, enjoy your weekend. And and again, thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you for having me. And I will, uh, hopefully we'll keep in touch and I'll make it to a fleet thing and hopefully, and uh, we'll we'll just keep chugging along. We'll look for some opportunities to make that happen. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Yeah. Thanks. Bye.